a lot of people, when they get that chance, they sort of realize that they loved being in the indie world more than they did being in the higher budget world. But I didn't feel that way. Because that level of pressure allows me to focus. And in focusing, I feel free. That was Nico Aguilar, world-class cinematographer, who at the age of 27 years old has found unprecedented success shooting feature films and commercials. Originally from Mexico City, Nico came to school in the States at Chapman University and quickly caught the eye of some of Hollywood's most decorated cinematographers. As a young prodigy, he was mentored by some of the best DPs in the world, and when that guidance was combined with his innate talent as a filmmaker, a distinct visual language was born, resulting in powerful imagery that's hard to forget. Welcome to Real Drive. So we got Nico Aguilar on the line, a good friend and collaborator as well, an amazing cinematographer here in Los Angeles. How's your day going, Nico? It's going amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Hell yeah, man. We're, we're stoked to have you on. I've always been a huge fan of your work. And I've been lucky enough to actually get you on a couple jobs, not only with Stepped, but with myself personally directing, which have all been incredible experiences and some of my favorite projects have done. So psyched to have you on the podcast and to share a little bit of your story with the world. Hell yeah. Likewise. I feel the exact same way. Nice, man. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Like, Do you want to give everyone like just a little bit of personal background? Sure. I'd love to. I was born in Mexico City. And filmmaking has always been a really big passion of mine ever since I was a little kid. I'm one of those lucky people that sort of like knew what he wanted to do early on. Basically, I love lighting since I can remember. And I always thought about myself as sort of like being a painter or a photographer. I didn't really know that one could do film for some reason. And one time I went to a film set when I was about nine or eight years old. And I sort of remember seeing how the camera moved and how the cinematographer was lighting the scene. I remember thinking, oh, I wish I could like change this lighting. <laughs> I wish I could like, <laughs> like have an opinion on this. And of course, like now when I think back to it, I was like, what was I thinking? I had no idea what I was talking about. But at the moment, I remember like being this little kid, like just fascinated by it and just wanting to have some sort of like input or say in it. And that sort of like made me want to go back on set. And I did that a lot. But it's harder when you're in Mexico because there aren't as many film sets as obviously LA. And to get into the film industry, it's very, very hard because it's a very small one. And so I had to sort of like channel my way through the local film schools. And so anyway, I applied to study cinematography at Chapman. The people that I met there would eventually lead me to meeting Eunuch and <laughs> other amazing filmmakers that have really shaped my career. And so I'm very, very thankful for that. My career basically started at Chapman doing senior theses I basically would work my way through every position on set, and I also had to pay myself through school. So all I would do is just work every single weekend. I remember this this one movie called Run. I was a sophomore, and this was a senior thesis. And this filmmaker and I, Trevor Stevens, had this like really just tight-knit kinship. So I ended up shooting it, and... 
the movie ended up getting nominated for the ASC award and the Kodak international cinematography award. And I was very lucky because I won both of them in that year as a sophomore. And it was a really, really beautiful experience. That's incredible. I know obviously with your upbringing coming from, from Mexico city, and then coming to Chapman, I feel like throughout your life, you sort of like cross paths with a lot of the other amazing Mexican cinematographers. I mean, is that sort of like what initially got you on their radar with some of these awards at a young age? Or how did you start sort of interfacing with some of the more not only experienced people, but sort of like the legendary people from the Mexican film community? Well, you know, when you are in the situation that I was in at the time, you are sort of in survival mode the whole time. You know, you do whatever you can to survive. And that kicks you up to a different gear where you're willing to do everything and anything to be on set and work. And it also gives you an opportunity to be really grateful. And I think the award certainly made these other amazing cinematographers who would end up becoming my mentors. It sort of like showed them that I was very serious about the craft and that I had some, you know, potential. But I think it wasn't until actually talking to them that they realized that, if anything, I was just grateful to be in the country and to be working in this industry. And that, I think, was really what, set a good groundwork to actually have a dialogue and then end up having a working relationship with these amazing filmmakers. But, you know, I really owe my career to two people, Guillermo Navarro and Rodrigo Prieto. I would say that I'm closest to Rodrigo in many, many ways, but Guillermo truly changed my career because he was, he Early on, sort of mentored me through a lot of the projects I was doing. My first studio project, Stargate, he was a huge mentor on that project. And, you know, he also really trusted me. He is the reason why I was able to shoot Charlie Day's directorial debut that really got me into a higher level of filmmaking. And so I owe him a lot. And I also owe a tremendous amount to Rodrigo Prieto because uh, not only has he been a mentor to me, but in many ways he's been like a father to me. He has gone above and beyond in his generosity to not only mentor me, but also bring me closer to a lot of filmmakers that I've had the chance to talk to and work with and also trust me in collaborating with me and bringing me on as a second unit or as a camera operator for him. And to work as close to a cinematographer of that level is truly such a gift. That's incredible. I mean, that's such an amazing opportunity to be taken under the wing of somebody like that. Let's talk about El Tonto a little bit. I would assume that's like one of your biggest projects to date. It was Charlie Day's directorial debut you have massive talent, you know, John Malkovich, Jason Sudeikis, amongst plenty of others. What was it like working on a project like that? What was the scale of it? What's it like working with, you know, super high-end A-list talent? What can you tell us about that? The first thing I'll say is I am really proud of that project, and I'm proud of how that project came to be as well. 
I remember the first time I met Charlie, I was in Guillermo's house, actually. And it was me, Guillermo, and Charlie all sort of like sharing a little sip of one of Guillermo's tequilas. <laughs> and we had Guillermo's Oscar tearing down on us as I'm about to pitch myself <laughs> to Charlie. That's awesome. But I remember reading the script and being very touched by it a couple of nights before. And first of all, I really didn't have much idea of who Charlie was in terms of the TV world. I had a lot of respect for him for obviously his roles and his acting, but I hadn't seen It's Always Sunny and I didn't really know him as a TV personality as much, which I think was a great thing because I didn't really see him as a TV comedian. I just saw him as a director. And that was a great starting point for us because I wasn't really concerned about pleasing him in that meeting. And I didn't really care whether he was impressed by me or not. I guess I was more concerned about showing him what the best version of the film I thought was. Because I felt so strongly about the film, I almost felt a responsibility to tell him how to approach the cinematography. And I really went through a little of an unconventional form because I had that sort of fearlessness where instead of me going through color and going through compositions, I sort of just pulled up a bunch of different references. And I said, I think this scene should be shot this way. I think that scene should be shot that way. I also showed him a lot of how I could contribute to him from sort of an upbringing standpoint and explained to him that I grew up in Mexico and showed him my own visual references of how I saw color and the painters that really affected me when I was a kid and how I told him that it was almost inevitable that some of these references were going to end up on the film. And Charlie is an extremely cerebral, extremely thoughtful person. In the moment, you know, he didn't express much emotion. He just sort of like took it all in. And I could tell that he had this huge amount of responsibility for his film and for his vision and he was being very careful about what he said to always honor, you know, his responsibility for the film. And, you know, we stayed in touch and we kept talking for a few weeks after that. And the biggest hurdle was my age and was the fact that I had very little sort of big Hollywood studio, big actor experience. I was in the indie world. I was an indie filmmaker. And we stayed in touch, and I sort of like remember talking to my agent, Alex Franklin, at the time. And I remember almost telling him, like, you know, other offers kept coming in for indie films and uh, a couple of TV shows. And I remember telling him, like, ah, maybe I, I don't actually think that we're going to get the film, so maybe, you know, let's maybe take another thing. And I, I sort of felt like it might be too good to be true. And one day Charlie called me, and he was like, you know, I've met with – a lot of other people, and I just know that you're the right direction. And I remember the night before he called, just feeling very anxious about it. But the moment he called and said, you have the movie, I just felt this incredible sense of relief. That's incredible. As a cinematographer, like, what type of differences did you know working on that type of scale? Like, I would assume 
budgetarily and resource-wise, it's a completely different game than the indie features. Was that sort of like a dream come true? Like, as, <laughs> is it like being a kid in a candy shop? Like, I would imagine it would be amazing. You would have everything at your disposal. Is that what it's actually like, making that jump? No. Or what's that like? I didn't feel that way. I mean, I don't know if other DPs feel that way, but I didn't feel that way at all. I just felt like it was a lot more demanding of a job in terms of you have to be extremely organized. You have to be an incredible manager of people and resources, and you have to be very cunning in your abilities to solve problems before they happen. And a lot of the tools that we were using, I didn't approach them as like a kid in a candy store. It was almost like a, this is the only tool for this job, you know? Because yeah. we used everything. We had underwater rigs. We had a motorcycle steady cam rig. We had 30-foot techno cranes. We had crash cams. I mean, you name it. We used every single tool out there. Even an old-school Chapman dolly from the 20s we end up using. I mean, <laughs> nice. we just used everything and we shot in every situation imaginable. We shot on location. We shot night, day, water, beach, car stuff. We even shot in a huge soundstage at Fox Studios. We shot in the Fox back lot. You just have everything you could imagine in a movie. Just put it in that one. And that's what it was. Fight that's sequences, amazing. everything. It's sort of like is very overwhelming. I only had like a month and a half or something to prep which for my level of experience was not enough time. So there's a lot of long nights and there's a lot of consulting other people and then also a lot of hiring the right people. I can't tell you how lucky I am to have worked with the crew that I hired. I think they're some of the best filmmakers out there and they really, really guided me in the right direction and looked out for me creatively. But, you know, I I did realize that that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because when you're in the indie world, at least in features, you're always wondering what's next. And I felt like I had a chance to preview what's next. And a lot of people, when they get that chance, they sort of realize that they loved being in the indie world more than they did being in the higher budget world. But I didn't feel that way. I felt more comfortable with more responsibility because in a way, that level of pressure allows me to focus. And in focusing, I feel free. That's amazing. And I feel happy. So that being said, like what what is next for Nico? Knowing that you've sort of like worked on that bigger scale feature world, what do you think not only the next year looks like for you, but the next 10 years? Where's your heart really at in terms of the type of projects you'd be excited to do? I think that at this point, I'm only interested in working on the right projects. To be frank with you, I'm kind of done filling up my schedule because I like being a human and I like living life and I like taking road trips and being adventurous and enjoying the fruits of my work. I'm very lucky to, I now change to ICM Partners and have two wonderful agents who really have my back in finding the right projects. And this year has been the first year where I've almost sort of turned away from the majority of the projects that were coming my way because I just feel like I could continue doing what I was doing and make a ton of money and all of that, but that's no life to be living. I'd rather only take the projects that I'm interested in and 
bring in an incredible amount of value for them. That's awesome. Just give it my all and foster the relationships that I really believe in and form new relationships with new filmmakers that I really believe in as well. And that's how I want to live for the rest of my life. I want to, I want to be a quality filmmaker by trade. I don't want to just be a filmmaker. I want to be a quality filmmaker. I'm just incredibly impressed at your age, how much you've been able to accomplish and just hearing from your perspective that you sort of like have finally been exposed to the things you really want to dedicate the rest of your life to is just incredibly impressive, man. And I couldn't tell you from watching this journey, how stoked I am for you. And I know everyone here at Stepped is excited to continue watch you crushing it and also get to collaborate with you. It's an honor. Thank you, Nick, so much. And I couldn't express my gratitude more to you because a lot of the good stuff that has happened in my career, I completely attribute to your trust in me too. And, and those early projects that really were the right projects for me. And anything that you guys produce at Stepped has been just such a huge honor for me to not only be a part of, but see, because I think you guys are truly one of the best companies out there to work for. I appreciate it, man. Well, I have a feeling we'll be talking again on one of these down the road. So we'll do it again sometime. In the meantime, let's get out there and do some work, man. Should be great. So thanks again. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to Real Drive. To see Nico's work and find more episodes, visit us at steppedstudios.com slash podcasts.